This episode is brought to you by the One Fork Group Incorporated, a leading supplier of innovative dormancy and sprout inhibiting products for the potato storage industry. They believe that sustainability is intrinsically linked with the concept of stewardship. One Fork Group practices sustainability by helping farmers minimize product loss using their family of biocontrol products. Learn more at oneforgroup.com. Welcome to the Potato Field Podcast. This is your host, Zeke Jennings, editor of Spudman Magazine. Uh, joining us today from Maine is Sarah Corey Parker of Corey Farms and Seed Pro. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We're, uh, we're excited to have you here and um, you're a big part of your operation, which is a really interesting operation because it has a lot of different arms to it. Uh, could you kind of give an overview of everything that your organization does? Yes. So I guess I'll start with the base, which I call Seed Pro Inc., is our early generation seed farm. So we have an in vitro facility, which is tissue culture. Uh, we sell all of our potato plantlets. We grow about 100,000 um, that will then be planted into three different greenhouses. So we start from the bottom there. Um, Seed Pro has about 260 acres of field grown potatoes, which is all early generation, which would be mini tubers, field year one, field year two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from the Seed Pro Inc. Um, facility, we then ship that seed to Daniel Corey Farms, which is about 45 minutes away from Seed Pro. Um, and that's for our commercial seed. Okay. So. And you have a Ford operation too, correct? Yes. So Daniel Corey Farms in Monticello will ship commercial seed to, well, they ship all up and down the Eastern seaboard, but they'll ship to our Florida farm, hmm. uh, which grows yellows, reds, and whites for table stock. So okay. right to, you know, grocery store. And then we also have uh, 300 acres of broccoli down there. So okay. now how far back does Corey Farms go? Um, and do you, you only grow early generation seed or, or, on that particular farm? Correct. Um, So we started, dad started in 1986 and he was originally processing and um, had a McCain contract. And then four years later, he's started getting into seed in 1990 and we haven't looked back since. We've been completely 100% seed with the exception of the new Florida operation that's now table stock. Now, why did he make the transition from commercial to seed? Did he just kind of see a hole in the market or? There was a hole in the market. There was a need. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of the seed business is about relationships. And he was starting to build relationships. And he's just, he's grown up, grown from there. We started with 50 acres and now we're up over 1,500. So. Okay. Yep. And now what exactly is, is your role with the operation? What are you in charge of? What kind of hats do you wear? I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> My <laughs> official role is uh, director of sales and variety development. So I do all the sales. Um, I'm also involved in variety development, uh, day in day operations, planting, harvesting. I'm very hands-on. I'm in the fields. I'm in the potato house. I'm running around. <laughs> um, but the rest of the time, with the exception of planting and harvest, I'm behind the scenes. I'm in the office and w- we've got a lot going on. So I'll do whatever I need to do. And, and when, uh, what is your background? I mean, when did you know you wanted to stay in the, the farming operation? Well, I went to school for uh, pre-pharmacy. My bachelor's is actually in chemistry pre-pharmacy. 
Um, and I started doing some internships at Walgreens and Walmart and places like that. And I was like, this is just not for me. <laughs> and of course I always wanted to get away from the farm my whole life, you know, cause it, being forced to work there and harvest, we didn't, you know, we didn't have a choice growing up, but I knew I wanted to come back, you know, probably my junior year of college. So. Oh, okay. And did you approach dad at that time and say you want to get involved? And what was well, his I was reaction? Still, I was still working there in the summers. Um, and so I kind of told him, I was like, I don't think I'm going to keep going for a pharmacy. I'm going to, hmm. I'm going to come back. And he was encouraging, very encouraging. He wanted me back. He needed the help. Oh, well, good deal. It sounds like it's worked out. Yeah. So. Now, as far as the varieties that you guys grow as seed, I mean, you've got quite a few uh, on your list. I don't know, look like a few dozen at least. Um, and you have some of the old standards like Burbank and Superior, but you also have some of the new like specialty varieties. Uh, what is the process that you go through to research and decide on what you're going to grow in a given year? So right now we have 67 varieties, um, all being grown mini tuber and in the field. Um, I work with a lot of different companies in their variety development programs. So I'll bring on varieties that they've done research on and they've they want to start introducing into their program. And then I also work with uh, breeding programs, you know, Cornell, uh, USDA, Aroostook Farm in Maine, um, different breeders and, and try to work with, with their up, new up and coming varieties and see what I can, you know, try to replace in my program. Cause you're always looking for the new best thing. What yields more, what maybe doesn't scab, or have storability issues, you're, you're always looking for the next up and coming variety. So I guess just research and, and really networking with, with my, you know, breeders and other programs. Now, how, how is your role with the breeders? I mean, by the time a variety reaches you, I mean, are they past the trial pattern to where the variety is what it is? I mean, do you give them much feedback on future varieties, that kind of thing? Yes, so I'll look at all their, their trial data and then I mostly send it out commercially. So, you know, what might look good in a little field trial, you know, might not necessarily do well for whatever reason, you know, mm -hmm. didn't yield or, you know, it isn't very drought tolerant and different things come up, you know, once they're planted and on these commercial farms that, you know, we have to work through. Are there any uh, newer varieties that you're growing now that you're really excited about? So my new favorite would be the Natasha. Um, she's great. <laughs> uh, it's a new yellow variety. She seems to be taking the place of Satina um, in the south and in the north. She's taking the place of Yukon Gold. Uh, a lot of my guys in the Maine, in Maine are now fresh packing her, and she's she's great. Um, Florida, I, I've never seen a more beautiful potato. They just don't bruise. They are gorgeous. Yep. So that would be my new favorite right now. Yeah, it's Yukon uh, Gold. It's an odd thing. I mean, it's such a staple, you know, for people think of the Yukon Gold, but it's not an easy one to to grow. And, you know, the industry has really been on the lookout for some some yellows to replace. And, and it sounds like a, you got a good one there. So, yes. So um, now your Florida operation, the, the one that grows the table stock, uh, is in Elkton, which is in northeastern Florida. That's kind of like the Jacksonville, St. Augustine region. Uh, there are other potato growers in that part of the state. Um, what is the soil and growing conditions like there in comparison to Aroostook County, where you're, you know, w w which is home? 
Yes, it's been very different. A whole new set of challenges down there. <laughs> um, they're very sandy. Uh, you get out there and you're like, how is anything going to grow in this? You know, and a windstorm can take half your row away. <laughs> it's, it's very sandy. Uh, without irrigation, you couldn't, you just simply couldn't do it. It's so hot. Um, you're, there's a lot more risk with the weather. That would be the biggest difference is just, you know, a 10 inch rainfall happens, you know, like that and you're done. Um, but flood irrigation, it's very interesting. They, you know, with, they pull boards and back up, back up the water into the field and, and flood irrigate, which is a lot different from, you know, Maine, which is the overhead irrigation. So it's, that's been the biggest difference is probably how they irrigate and, and the weather risks. Now, when did that, uh, farming operation come into, uh, the Cory Farms new seed, uh, family? We just harvested our seventh crop. Okay. So we've been down there seven years. We started small, kind of getting into it. You know, it's been a learning curve, you know, a whole bunch of new things. But it's it's also nice to have that availability to try out new varieties on our own farm and see for ourselves how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And Natasha's helped a lot with the success of our Florida operation. That's why I really like that variety. Do you struggle with black spot or pressure bruise in your potato crop? The proven biocontrol one force site helps increase deliverables to your shed or plant by reducing the severity and indices of bruise. Incorporate one force site into your existing storage program for unprecedented success. Learn more at onefourgroup.com. And now back to the podcast. Did you buy a pre pre-existing farm or did you just happen to decide you were going to buy some acres and, and try it out? What attracted you to that region? Um, so dad's been selling to that region, you know, since the eighties, um, he's made a lot of relationships and, uh, a buddy of his down there, uh, had retired and dad kind of brought him out of retirement and he said, I'll help you, you know, for four or five years, get you going. And dad just kind of took off. It started with a 50 acre hobby farm into now over 500 acres. And he's just, he's on the move. And, and what's the uh, planting and growing season like? Uh, you mentioned you just harvest and we're, we're taping on what, May 25th? Yes. So they plant in December, January, and they harvest April, May, and into June. Okay. So they're almost done. I think dad's 75% done down there. So okay. they're on the tail end. And what about planting? Um, are you guys wrapped up with planting in Aroostook County or are you in the middle of it? Uh, we are about 65% done planting in Maine right now. Yeah. How, how are things going so far? They're going great. My only issue is getting help. That's the only, <laughs> that's my only concern. I know many yeah. area farmers are having the same concerns, just, just late trying to find labor, but yeah, everything weather wise and everything's been going very well. Yeah. Good. It's, uh, a, a lot of the part of the country is or lots of parts of the country is experiencing some dry conditions. And I, I know conditions have been dry there in recent years, but that's probably not an issue until the crop gets going. Correct. If, if. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our moisture is pretty adequate right now. Okay. Good deal. So yeah. um, sustainability, doing more with less, that's a huge thing in agriculture right now. What are some of the things that you have done or tweaked in recent years to move toward that? Are there any practices or technology that you're considering trying out? Uh, well, we are really moving forward with everything technology. GPS, um, rate controllers are our biggest thing. Um, you know, our commercial seed farm, we went to GPS a while ago, 
um, probably when it first came out, probably 10 years ago. And uh, now our smaller farmer, our Seed Pro Inc. Um, is moving to GPS to be, you know, more efficient. Um, rate controllers. So the old admire kits on the planners used to put out a steady stream of chemical. Um, now it, it goes with the speed of the planner and is a lot more accurate, a lot more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, nurse tanks, we've been trying to be more efficient, you know, filling up the sprayers and having them on less. And then of course the new John Deere tractors are very, you know, very efficient compared to the old, the old mm -hmm. tractors, you know, a lot of re reduced CO2 emissions. So. Um, for those who only grow commercially and don't have the experience of the, the early generation seed, uh, what are the biggest differences in growing seed potatoes versus growing commercial potatoes? Uh, just your diligence on making sure everything's sprayed and clean and disinfectant. You just, you have to be extremely careful with seed. So we're on a five day spray schedule all summer long. So our sprayers don't on, on 1200 acres, you know, in Monticello, they just don't stop. Um, they're going around the clock where, you know, a commercial guy can probably spray and then not go back in for 10 or 15 days, um, mm -hmm. depending on the type of season. But you know, every five days we're out there spraying. Um, we also have a, a roguing crew, which goes through and uh, looks for virus, looks for mixture, any issues like that. Um, and then um, disinfecting. We are very diligent with, with disinfecting. We're disinfecting everything, boots. You know, you don't come in our area unless you have plastic boots on. Um, and I guess that would be the biggest difference is just how careful we are yeah. Yeah, between varieties, being careful not to, you know, spread varieties in between different lots. Mm -hmm. Are there any differences in terms of like storage? You know, the, the, the seed potato, you know, have more of a, a shorter shelf life because you, you know you're selling them at a certain date. Yeah, so we, we store at 38 and a half degrees, mm -hmm. which is pretty cold compared to, you know, if you were going to be processing or, or chipping, you've got to keep them a lot warmer. Mm -hmm. So um, they, and of course they use sprout nip too, and we can't use that. Um, so I guess temperature would be the biggest thing. And we have to be very careful, you know, not to beat them up because they've, you know, a lot of them, they need to last into mm -hmm. mid-May. Yep. So I think I'm shipping my last load of seed tomorrow. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, on that temperature control, that it just jogged a, a thought. You know, I, I've seen some stories come out about rising climates and it's affecting, you know, energy costs uh, to keep those potatoes cold. Have you noticed the, the energy costs changing in recent years? Absolutely. We've bought four new AC units um, to keep our seed cooler in the spring because we, you know, it's getting warmer earlier. And people, for whatever reason, are still taking their seed at a late at at the later dates, and we just we need to keep it cold. So mm -hmm. we've we've put four new AC units in in all four of our storages to keep the seed cold, so everyone has a nice you know healthy product going out in mid May, even into June. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's you know real world uh, effects of of rising temps, and it's you know it's it's raising you know, costs for farmers, obviously, in this, this situation. Absolutely. So, so um, fun question. Do you have any favorite ways to eat potatoes? 
<laughs> I'm just a classic girl. I I like baked. <laughs> yeah, just yep, baked? I, I bake them. That's my favorite. So yeah. Yeah. what's your uh, what's your system for baking? Um, I poke them with a fork and I pop them in the oven. <laughs> Lehigh's, they're yeah. my favorite. Those are my go-to. So you poke them before you you ever put them in? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I do it halfway through. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I just, I read that somewhere that that was the way to do it. Um, but I don't know if it makes any difference. It's just, they're a little softer halfway through. Yeah. I think that's, that's the only difference, but you get the same effect and you get a little bit of moisture coming out and the, the, the skins kind of, you know, shrink up and, and get kind of crispy and get that really great flavor to it. Right. So, uh, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, that was kind of all I, all I had for you, I really appreciate it. And again, that's uh, Seed, Seed Pro Inc. and Corey Farms, um, 67 varieties of seed. So all up and down the East Coast. Yes. So very good. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on and appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again to uh, One Four Group, our sponsor. Be sure to go check them out at onefourgroup.com. We'll see you next time.